about four years ago, um, I was, maybe it was three years ago, I was in uh, New Orleans for one of the uh, final collision conferences uh, to take place in the city. And I saw one of the most creative marketing tactics I've ever seen. It was this hilarious post of uh, Lionel Richie with a very dumbstruck face. And the title on the page said, all around the arena, um, hello, is it me you're looking for? And it led to this booth number. And I walked over and I met one of the most electric, uh, just thought-invoking personalities I'd ever met in terms of a startup. He had energy, he had drive, he had focus. Uh, he sells himself not much as a salesman, but I think he's like sales times a thousand. <laughs> um, this is a conversation between me and my really good, super, honestly, one of the, my favorite people in the world, uh, Satish Bala. A serial entrepreneur, DJ, uh, man of many, many chapters of his own life, uh, goes deep personally into many different topics and uh, delivers one of his favorite poems after our interview. Uh, this is Sales and Stanzas. All right, guys. I'm here with Satish Bala, and we're going to be talking about music, startups, and his upcoming festival, Bali Desi Fest. Satish, what is going on, man? Ooh, what's not going on? Everything is going on, man. I, I, I take too much on in life uh, most of the time, and I tell myself I'm going to you know, just take what I can eat, and, and then I take so much more. And so I'm in that phase again where there's literally a hundred things happening. Uh, I function really well in chaos, and so I think I invite it into my life, and so I'm I'm in my element right now. Awesome, that's great to hear, man. Let's talk a little bit right now. Start with the beginning. Who is Satish? Where are you from? Where? What got you into where you are right now? Yeah, let's unpack it. Wow. Um, so I, I I was born in India, but we left when I was I think three. So most of my early memory started in Singapore. Okay. Um, Singapore in the 80s uh, is, is not the nicest place to live if you're not Asian. It's just the way the country is and was. Uh, and so, you know, I was there till the age of uh, 13. Um, very harsh life. Uh, unfortunately for me, the entire country labeled me dumb and stupid. And, uh. and that's just, you know, it's, it's just the way the dice rolled. And my father uh, being a very strict South Indian man was crushed. Like my yeah. first son, you know, wanted him to be something, you know, doctor, engineer, da da da. And then, and then the country's like, oh, this kid is stupid. He's gonna be a blue collar worker. So, um, so the early days weren't that fun. You know, uh, uh, they tried to beat that thing out of me. Stupidness. They tried to beat it out of me without knowing what it was. Um, and then around 13, you know, uh, you have to join the Singapore Army for a year, and everybody has to do it. And so. Lucky for us, you know, he had the itch to move again. Uh, I think part of it was he wanted to travel. Part of it was he wanted to get out of that reality. Mm -hmm. And so whatever the gods may be, blessed us to, to get to Canada, specifically Toronto, and in a suburb called Scarborough in 1989. And Scarborough in 1989 was the hood. 
Yeah. Like <laughs> people, people do not go to Scarborough after dark. Uh, most of the kids there were immigrants or, or, or first generation poverty, right? Like, you know, immigrants come, they don't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I had no idea what any of that was because I'm moving from Singapore, fully structured, you know, segregated, there was wealth and all this kind of stuff. And now I'm in like this hood yeah. and I'm surrounded by diversity now, you know, other Indian kids, black folks for the first time, white people, Asian people. And then the subclasses start to happen. Like, what kind of Indian are you? And all of this stuff. Um, and then, you know, I, I discovered basketball, okay. uh, which gave me a great outlet. I discovered uh, music and DJing, uh, which gave me a great outlet. Um, and then that took me to my university. Uh, I studied computer science, um, but you know I, I didn't really know what I was going to do with it. I was lucky enough to start my first business when I was in third year university. It's called Spider Designs. We're talking like very early black and white websites, very ugly stuff that just was like phase one, right? Um, and and I felt like this is where the future is going to be. You know, yellow pages are going to be you know non-existent. Companies will have to go online. So I rolled the dice back then without knowing what an entrepreneur was to say, hey, let me go and try to find some clients, convince them that they need this thing called the web. Uh, and I did pretty good for a student with student loans and, you know, <laughs> you know, eating crap macaroni and cheese every night. Yeah. Um, so that worked out really well. And by the time I graduated, I already had a little micro company, uh, which I then you know, got rid of and evolved into a, a bigger shop. This was right before Y2K, uh, okay. around 1999. That's when I graduated. And, you know, the one course that I paid attention to was COBOL. And for some reason, I just liked COBOL more than all the other languages, probably because it was so linear and it, it made sense versus all the object-oriented programming crap just didn't make sense to me. Um, and, and Y2K was completely dependent on rewriting COBOL, mm-hmm. pretty much all the old school systems. So all of a sudden, anybody that knew COBOL was minting money. Like companies would just hire us two, three, four hundred bucks an hour to avoid Y2K. So then I started up my second practice, uh, helping companies with Y2K problems, which then turned into an ERP company. And then we focused on JD AdWords before we got into SAP. And without really planning by 2006, I had a pretty decent consulting career with a pretty large team. And a lot of my early lessons in entrepreneurship, uh, messing up, living by my gut, getting out of my own limitation, all happened in those years up to 2006. Um, and then after 2006, I got bored because so much of my work was behind the scenes and I've learned how to sell by this time. I was addicted to selling and storytelling, but if you're in hardcore tech, like SAP, JD Edwards and behind the scenes stuff, you don't get to be creative. You know, I was mm-hmm. living in warehouses and manufacturing plants and there's a side of me that wanted to be creative without knowing what that meant. Yep. Uh, and then again, you know, right timing, ability to take a risk social media was just starting to, to, to come out of the woodworks and, um, and agencies were starting to look at, well, how can we now bring social media, digital marketing and advertising into a tech world? And uh, so I started to look at, well, how can I get into that world? I started a company called Blue Band Media. Uh, back then, media meant media and, and not, you know, sort of online stuff. And so we're like, okay, let's go in, let's figure things out. Um, I got I got lucky and again and got into uh, the CPG world, consumer goods, uh, and my first client was Cheese Strings, and they had a pretty shitty website. They had to go live, and 
you know, we did it on, on, on cost and uh, got into the industry and I fell in love with everything about advertising and marketing. And I've always been a storyteller. Mm -hmm. I've always been passionate about, you know, connecting tech and a user problem so people could sort of benefit from the results. But I didn't know there was something called advertising. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had no idea that you get paid to whiteboard and come up with ideas and concepts. And, you know, as a kid, obviously, I've seen the television commercials and the radio and the print ads, but I didn't know how people came to those things because I was a product guy. And so I was blown away with this opportunity where all of a sudden now I have a, I have a company where I get to be techie and nerdy and, and code and do stuff, but also get to daydream storytelling and, and brand design and, and PR. And because social was just coming up, the 50-year-old industry for advertising had no idea what to do with social media, what to do with digital marketing, didn't know how to run ads. And so even though I came 50 years later after the industry was set up, it was almost an instant baseline when technology came in. And it didn't matter if I didn't know advertising, if I didn't know, you know, storytelling. I knew tech and they didn't know that. And so, you know, Blue Band, you know, media turned into Blue Band brand and then Blue Band digital. And over the next 12 years, uh, we became one of the top five digital agencies in the country. Uh, over 65 people in Toronto with offices in Costa Rica, China, India, Pakistan. Um, it was great, man. You know, we worked on some incredible brands from McDonald's to NBA, um, Ford, uh, casinos. Like, it was fantastic. Uh, and then around 2017, I was like, you know, time for a change. Um, and we can unpack this later, but I find most of my businesses happen as I need to grow as an individual. Mm -hmm. And some businesses took, you know, 12, 13 years. Some took a failure or an exit real quick. But all of my business ventures have always been around me coming out of a shell and growing into another version of myself. And at the height of Blue Band, uh, I've grown a lot. I've learned how to, you know, sort of be a different person. Mm -hmm. And then it became just a repetitive company that didn't have a purpose anymore for me. And so, you know, I created a two-year exit strategy tried to become the largest fish in other people's ponds. We stopped working for direct clients and only happened to work with, you know, agency partners. And so we can white label ourselves, but become a big expense line item in their books mm -hmm. to a point where they would just go, crap, we're paying these guys so much money. Let's just buy them. Sure. And that's what happened with one of our suppliers. Um, you know, there's a company called Rivals and Departures and we met, we chatted and they said, look, you guys are doing a lot of behind the scene work for us. What would it take to, to join and you know we came up with a number it made sense and and i exited uh, but i was 2017 um and I spent a year in 2018 you know sort of moving things around and making sure the clients were happy uh and then i formally exited the agency world uh in mm -hmm. at the end of 2018 um and then in parallel in, in 2006 i started my agency uh there was a lot of need for um a new new platform for south asian music um, you know, the country still only knew Bollywood as the only version. Mm -hmm. because I, was, I was born in India, but I didn't grow up in India. My representation of the culture was always remixed by the places I lived at. Yep. So Indian culture in Singapore was much different than Indian culture in Scarborough. Mm -hmm. And then you, you get influenced by hip hop and R&B and house music and Caribbean music. And so for me, the culture was always remixed. And as a new generation of artists like myself, DJs and singers and writers were evolving, there wasn't any opportunity to showcase. We were either, you know, too brown for mm -hmm. the mainstream, so we wouldn't get booked into mainstream festivals or radio or TV, 
or our own culture looked at us as this black sheep. Yeah. So they didn't want us either because we're not them anymore. And so, you know, uh, Tupac says a great line, you know, he's like, there's, there's only so long, you know, poor people will knock on the door and eventually they'll just kick it down to get in. You can't stop them. Mm-hmm. And I felt like Fest had the same sentiment in the early days of we're going to keep begging for a while, but eventually we're just going to do our own shows. Yep. And, and that's where the AC Fest evolved, you know, uh, in 2007 to say, hey, let's put on a show that truly showcases the energy and the passion and the vision of what South Asian culture looks like from a generation that's now the new norm. Mm-hmm. We're not our parents' generation. The sentiments and cultural sort of re- you know, remembrances in it, but really we've remixed it and that needs the platform. And you know, right time, right place. Uh, we hit it off first year, we had about 20,000 people. And now we average just over 50 to 60,000 people a show. Plus, a, plus an awareness around the, around the square for over 100,000 people. So it's a huge deal. I'm blessed with a great team. Um, and and we, it's our 13th year. And we're, we're a movement, man. Like, it feels good to be able to help shape the scene. That's so awesome. That's, me. that's, me. <laughs> that's crazy, man. And, and I love, even, and I've known you for years, you are one of the most inspirational yet humble individuals. And I love seeing what you're doing now. And even as you were talking about doing like, what's the next step? When is it time to step away? Not, not to walk away, but to kind of step back from this thing and try something new. You're now starting uh, public speaking engagements. Tell me a yeah. little bit about that. So, uh, you know, after I sold the company, um, my my old university Ryerson reached out and they were in the process of setting up an, a new incubator and they said do you want to come help out because we need more people that have a science background but when it's a business because we feel like a lot of our science students don't think they're capable of business mm-hmm. and whether their business is successful or not there's some skill sets you learn when you want to be in business right you know inter- interpersonal skills ability to storytell ability to convince somebody of your I- ideas these are skills that they don't learn because they're pigeonholed into science. So they're very much research and data collection. And so I said, that's great, man. Cause you know, those life skills are more important sometimes than the skills you have. Cause mm-hmm. it could be the greatest scientist, but if you can't articulate your vision, it's just a piece of science that doesn't get the breathing room to be life changing or world changing. So I said, yeah, let me get in. And when I started to do that, um, my first wave was trying to be like this brand guy because that's what I thought people wanted me to be. You know, I'm a brand, I'm Bill Cump. Then I realized what they don't care about is my, my skill sets. What they really cared about is my story and my journey. And I never actually talk about this kind of stuff because I've always thought it's just my own personal scars. Like who cares? Um, but as I started slowly creating these, these conversations with these kids about, you know, my own struggle, my fears, battling my dad, you know, going through my, my, my first failures and then re- recovering, I realized there's so much blueprint I have in me from just life that uh, I want to share. And, and if you don't have a blueprint, well, here's one that you could use and you mm-hmm. can modify it, change it, own it. Um, and that's really what my speaking gigs ended up becoming, this, I, this hope to just share the blueprints that I've created. Uh, and if you believe I'm successful, then you can respect the path I took to become successful. And if that path can help you, then we both win. 
Exactly. Right? And, that, and that's been my belief system. So a lot of the keynotes and speaking that I've been invited to do um, is around those kind of topics. You know, how do you, how do you get past your own fears? How do you build a new version of yourself? What does hustle really mean? What success really mean? Can we be successful and happy? Like all of these things that I've dealt with as an individual for so many years. I'm working on my first book, you know, our mutual friend, Nelly, they introduced me to, you know, we're three chapters deep and it's been a great process just to learn how to, again, articulate uh, my process into something that other people can, can digest. And, and it's all still surreal to me, man, because, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've dreamt about living the life that I live now, you know, back in my 20s, you know, um, but now that I'm living it, it's like, oh, man, this is so cool. And I'm learning so much and I'm meeting so many new people. And every time I share, I, I learn something in return, which empowers me to like just reconstruct my thoughts. And so I'm on a, I'm on a really nice, you know, moment in like my, my mental health and like life and, 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 and stuff in general. And so it's, it's been great, man. That's awesome. It, it's so cool. This whole panorama of things from tech to entrepreneurship, inspiration, uh, music and the festival uh give give a since it's coming up soon uh give people a little preview what what is desi fest like yeah so so desi fest um is a 12-hour non-stop music showcase uh our our show happens at young dundas square uh if people don't know go google it or imagine what Times square looks like and that's what young dundas square is in toronto um and and it's in the heart of the city and we bring anywhere between 20 to 30 different bands. We start at 11 a.m. and we literally go right till 10:59 p.m. And you know every act uh, brings a a mixture of South Asian music and then their own version of whatever their experience is. So if you're a rock band, you've got that South Asian element with a bit of rock and roll. If you're EDM, house, hip hop. Uh, but beyond the the show itself, which is a great music festival. We have food, we have vendors, um, we have all of these different touch points that you can come and experience the culture. And it's not just for non-South Asians, but even for the South Asian community, one of the things that's really uh, funny is, you know, we, we talk about being inclusive, but when you remove the layers, we live in our silos. You know, Muslims live in a certain part of the city. Punjabis live in a certain part of the city. Tamil speakers, so, you know, Tamils and Indians. So we, we talk about being South Asians, but we remove the PR layer. Mm -hmm. We're very much a siloed community, right? Like, you know, not everybody celebrates Diwali because it's a Hindi a Hindu thing. Not everybody celebrates Eid because it's a Muslim thing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what we wanted to do is create a platform where for at least one day out of the year, we can literally bring every subculture into one area under the umbrella of music, which is hard to sort of, debate against because we all listen to the same kind of music but in those moments you get to now challenge your stereotypes you know if you have preconceived notions of people with turban well guess what for the next five hours you're going to be standing beside somebody with a turban <laughs> and get to know them right if yep. you are misconceived about an artist who's got tattoos on his neck and wears bling well here's a young person you can engage with and talk and have a conversation you know we found over the last 12 years uh the, the real magic of desi fest is when people come and then over the course of 12 hours, one or, or a small piece of their bias, whatever it is, preconceived notion, gets a bit of a crack. Cool. And then as soon as a crack happens, you start to question all of the other things that you had as a bias, right? Like 
you know, most parents come in thinking, okay, most of these artists on stage are broke and, 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 you know, probably thugs and do drugs. And then, and then when I introduce the artist, I'm like, yeah, so-and-so is a hip hop artist. He's got a, he's got a bachelor's in computer science. He runs nice. a startup that's $5 million. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Or, you know, the reason I host the show is I'm equally that kid. You know what I mean? Like you look at me on stage, I've got, you know, ripped jeans, I got tattoos, you know, I've got a chain, I've got a bling. And I've seen parents go, look, you know, the hoes, look at this guy, you know, probably on stage, you know, being a bum and da, da, da. My own dad thought that for the longest time. <laughs> and then you Google me and you're like, okay, successfully built and sold three companies, speaks on topics, travels, right? So, so then I just messed up your, your belief system. Mm-hmm. So then what do you do the next time you meet somebody that looks like me? What do you do when you get on the subway and you see a Muslim woman with a hijab on? What do you do when your coworker has got a turban on? Mm-hmm. All of those things change. And I think for me, you know, Desi Fest's real value in the last 12 years has been, you know, these moments where we can engage on a different conversation. But the starting point is entertainment. We bring you in for a great show. And then we just hit you with these little moments of like inspiration and questioning and self-doubt where I think you go home a better person. Awesome. That's so cool, man. What, besides the festival, what's next for you? You know, I'm, I'm really uh, addicted to figuring out how we can continue to create more opportunities for the community. Uh, for, you know, 12, 13 years later, we still don't have TV channels dedicated to South Asians. We don't have a lot of newspaper. We don't have a lot of you know, online bloggers, and we don't have a Huffington Post, we don't have a CNN. So one of my fears now is, you know, how can we be completely transparent if we don't have a voice in the country? Mm-hmm. And if the voice that we have is still old school voice from my mom's and, and my grandparents' generation who don't understand us, then are we being represented properly in helping shape the country? So part of our vision now over the le- next six years is, how can DesiFest move from being a single platform to becoming a full multi, you know, 360 platform where we can have a voice on TV. We can have a voice on social. We can have, you know, writers that are young that are writing articles that represent today's challenges. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about teenage, you know, pregnancy and sex. Let's talk about divorce and marriage. Let's talk about artists that are making great moves and not just academics. Let's celebrate South Asian entrepreneurs. I can't name you five right now. Not because they don't exist, mm-hmm. but because they don't know how to market themselves. We don't know who's in our community. And so my hope for the next five or six years is use whatever clout I have, whatever brand that I've built and, and the ability to speak to continue to see if I can help build a, a platform that gives us a voice. And what's great about that is you know, when you look at a country like Canada and we, we want to be diverse or even North America, one of the hardest things to do is to be fully transparent with other cultures that don't know you. And, you know, some of the world's greatest civil wars happened because communities didn't know each other. Mm-hmm. They knew from a propaganda perspective, but they actually never knew each other. And so when I think about my kids' generation, I want them to grow up in a country where love and hate has a purpose. You know, if somebody hates me, for the right reasons, that's okay. Because yeah. <laughs> hate me for the right reasons and I have a chance to change you because you're dealing with you know, perception. Or love me for the right reasons so that we can build a great country together. And so for me, um, that's the big goal 
in doing so, you know, I'm taking smaller steps. We're investing in our own, you know, collective space right now. So, you know, artists can come and create content. We're, we're about to hire a whole bunch of journalists to create a version of Huffington Post for ourselves. We don't know how, but first step, let's get writers. And then step two, let's start writing. And step three, set up a $50 WordPress site and see what happens. So we're just making moves, man, without judging, without expecting. Just make moves. Get up, move, get up, move. Uh, and, you know, for me personally, um, building this Satish brand where I can continue to, you know, sort of spam my vision and, and purpose into the world is important for me. So I'm, I'm learning how to be a better speaker, how to be uh, more passionate and sharing and et cetera. And so, you know, I'm on that path. You know, sometimes I wake up in the morning and I want to run and like start a tech company. I can't tell you the amount of domains I've registered just because I'm like, Yes, VR is the next big thing. AI, oh, transportation, oh, okay, set up a domain, set up a site, hire a team. And I'm like, no, 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 because that version served its purpose. Mm -hmm. And if I get back into it, then it's really for financial monetary reasons, and that's not a sustainable business. There's no passion in it. But, man, that, that, those mornings when I wake up and I'm just like, am I dreaming all this shit? Like, can I really be a speaker and an international, you know, bestseller and all this? Am I just, like, smoking my own? you know, cannabis or can it actually happen? Uh, and then I'm like, shut up, Satish. Like you have a process, you have a blueprint. Here we are like on a podcast, you know, sharing stuff. Let's just keep going. Let's just keep going. Let's just keep going. All you got to do is just step out there. And ever since I met you, you've really helped set me on fire in a lot of ways. And I'm glad to be able to bring you to the sales and stanzas community. Thank you so much for being on Satish. Yeah, I love it, man. So I'm, I'm so happy that you invited me. And, and uh, yeah, like there's only a few of us that are shifting and changing and, and, and like vibrating at a different level. And, and you know, I'm, I'm attracted to that energy. And so you have it. Uh, Nelly has it. You know what I mean? And so I'm blessed to be in the company of some awesome people. Awesome. Thank you so much. Peace. What's up, Anthony? I uh, wanted to send you my poem before it got too late. Um, so this poem, I uh, got this from a mentor when I was 21, 22, working on my first business. Lost a little bit. Um, I studied computer science, and so being an entrepreneur, starting my own business was not something that I was trained for, and I sort of went into it partly by force and partly by um, partly by by lack of other choices in my life at that time. And I remember we met and I was like, you know, I'm just feeling down and out. And I'm not sure um, how to deal with this emotional ride. And he gave me this poem, uh, Invictus, by William uh, Ernest Henley. And I'm going to read this to you, okay? Here we go. <clears throat> out of the night that covers me, Black as the pit from pole to pole. I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the, uh, under the bulging of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years.
finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I'm the captain of my soul. And I remember getting this from them. And I read it the first time and it like moved me to to this this emotional state that I can't still put words to it. It was part inspiration, part like um, a good hug, part like uh, a pat on the back. Um, and, and, you know, I put it up in a frame and I hung it over uh, my mirror or by my mirror in my bathroom. And, you know, from the age of 20 to almost 30, I pretty much saw this poem every single day. In different days, it meant different things to me because um, it's such a deep conversation with yourself as an entrepreneur. And sometimes I just needed something to pick me up. And I even got Invictus tattooed on my hand. Like, that's how important this poem is to my life. So uh, hopefully I did it some justice in reading it out loud for you. Um, thank you again for the opportunity to be on the podcast. And uh, I hope... Uh, the listeners enjoy it, and, um, and and I hope you enjoyed it, and I appreciate being invited to be on it. Thank you. Thank you, everybody who stayed tuned and listened to the episode today. It was a very long time, long time in the works of coming. Uh, Satish and I have always been saying, we're going to do something big together someday. And it starts with this conversation. Uh, really just big bonding moment. We've been friends for years and so much that uh, came out of it that I, a lot of it I never even heard of. And uh, totally super psyched. Um, first sponsor obviously is gonna be Daisy Fest. Um, it did already happen to pass uh, June of every year in Toronto, Satish, puts on this amazing festival of different um, subcultures, cultures, uh, identities, generations, just bridging the gap, bringing together music and art and culture all in one place. Uh, Daisy Fest um, is an annual festival that occurs to celebrate and educate and just build these amazing experiences. So if you want to find out more, uh, I'll have a link in the description uh, for the website. Uh, that is Daisy Fest with Satish Bala. Uh, second is uh, Paradox and Poetry, Bogota's premier open mic community. Um, I'm actually going to be going to a few uh, events while I'm down there in the next few weeks. Uh, you can find it on Facebook or Instagram at Paradox and Poetry. Um, definitely, if you're passing through the uh, Bogota area in Colombia, uh, definitely try to coordinate your trip. It's an amazing experience to do. Um, and that is run by our good friend, Travis Thomas. Uh, once again, Paradox and Poetry. Uh, Speculative Language Company. Uh, they do corporate classes, events. They're running a weekly uh, language exchange out of Teatron, uh, El Muro by Teatron, uh, down in Japanero, in Bogota as well. Uh, they also 
do uh, corporate and individual classes as well as group classes, uh, you can find them under Speculo, S-P-E-C-U-L-O, language, company, and last but not least, Wax Up Candles by Catalina Perez. Wax Up Candles for all your custom handmade artisanal local candle needs, whether it's watermelon shaped, uh, citrus flavors, uh, amazing designs, very reasonably priced, and custom orders are available. Uh, once again, that is Wax Up Candles on Facebook, Instagram, run by our dear friend, Catalina Perez. Thank you once again. Thank you.